1: Well, the attention train is continuing its expansive voyage, this time a world first for the out-of-home sector in which QMS has funded an early attention pilot with Amplified Intelligence, which it plans to open source for the broader out-of-home industry. A bunch of new tech was required for this trial. Among other things, the AI had to be trained to spot the difference between humans and dogs on the street, for example. They do say dogs look like their owners, but clearly those similarities shouldn't count in media audience measurement. So what are the early takeouts from the first round of this three-phase trial? On the mics today to explain is Amplified Intelligence CEO Karen Nelson-Field and QMS Chief Strategy Officer Christian Zavick. Welcome to you both. Christian, to you first. How about the top line first on what QMS is doing with attention and why, and, and when did it all this start? What, what triggered all this?
2: Uh, Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I I think our conversations have been going for about 12 months and uh, being aware of the excellent work that Karen and the Amplified Intelligent team had been doing globally across other media, we saw an opportunity to partner with them and extend the concept into the out-of-home sector. We've always had a major focus of, of moving from just eyeballs to influence and understanding what drives better results for our clients. So it just made a lot of sense. So was it early this year, Christian, that things started to really sort of fire up? Uh, yes, it did, as we, as we got into the initial uh, testing phase, uh, which has been completed.
1: Right. I guess the interesting thing is that it required a completely different approach to how you measure attention and out of home f- versus other screens and channels. Did you have a sense of what was going to be required and, and the changes here, or was it like, give that to Amplified Intelligence to sort out?
2: Yeah, oh, look, I, I think from our perspective, there were really sort of four clear, key areas that really excited us most. The fact that the first part of it is that it is true human intention, right. um, and it was being conducted in the real world, I think was extremely important. They've incorporated some really advanced first-to-market technology as well, which Karen can sort of talk to a little bit more detail, but that was really important to make sure that accuracy was optimised. The uniformity of the out-of-home attention model was also really important. What do you mean by that, Christian, uniformity? What do you mean? Well, obviously, there's been a lot of work already completed across other channels, uh, and the models developed there. It was important that there'd be a similar sort of currency and metric for clients to have a really much better understanding of cross-media contribution. So Got it. from that perspective, that whole consistency of model makes a lot of sense when you think about the practicality and the usability of the data, which leads us into the last point, you know, the fact that there will be usable metrics uh, for clients to be able to access through their attention trace platform.
1: Got it. And so there's sort of four phases to this, Christian, and what QMS is doing with, with Amplified. What is the plan there and what does it look like, time frame and, and these different phases?
2: Uh, yeah, so as we spoke about earlier, we've finished the pilot study, which was extremely important to really test the technology and make sure that. The delivery of the, the metrics was in line with what expectations were, um, which has been a resounding success. That's the dogs and humans wave. That's the dogs and humans. You know, as, as you said, as much as we like dogs, um, clients don't like them being counted in their audience. <laughs>
1: no, um, not even for pet food.
2: <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, they're not the purchasers. So again, that was obviously the first uh, major component. We're now in the midst um, in quarter one of moving to the validation phase right. uh, of the data, which is extremely important. And then that will be followed pretty quickly by the scaling um, across a wider range of, of QMS assets. So, you know, we're expecting that the data, you know, probably towards the end of next year will start to be made available uh, for clients and their use. And then beyond that, you know, the the first phase is looking uh, solely at pedestrians and out of home obviously has multiple environments and multiple modes of traffic. So it's something that we'd look to extend to other modes such as vehicle travel and so forth.
1: Yeah, that gets really interesting. We might try and work out how you do that. But what does this mean, Christian, for the broader out-of-home sector and advertisers, you know, generally? And I think you were talking earlier that this somehow this is going to be open to the industry, the learnings or the data from this. Is that right? Or I misheard you?
2: No, 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 that, that's correct. And I think, you know, for us, it's not about us versus them. You know, we were most excited by having out-of-home as part of the conversation and, you know, being a medium that really has transformed itself through digital um, and being a broadcast medium, it's important for clients to get that sort of holistic picture of of attention and, and the relationship it, that it has with, with media. So that's the thing that excites us most. And the fact that it's usable as well. There are other data sources out there. But again, as I spoke to earlier, that uniformity and consistency of model is extremely important.
1: Now, I've got to ask, I've got to try. I don't know I'm going to land anything here, but what did it show?
2: You'll have to wait for
1: that. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you always
0: that. ask us that.
1: I do, and I will never stop. Speaking of, Karen Nelson-Field, um, let's go to you for a bit because this was a new challenge for you. You're thinking you're AI for an out-of-home. Yeah. You now think it's possible to sort of capture attention on the streets, sans the dogs. Without getting too geeky, what did you need to do differently uh, versus other attention studies you've done for other media channels? Because it was a little bit different, I think.
0: It was. And so there was actually an extra phase for us. So Christian talked about the pilot, but we did feasibility. So when they first approached us, it is new. In fact, it's so new, it's not even in literature as as a method that works for what the texts call unstructured outdoor environments. But That's
1: what I call it too, by the way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> same. But um, we just needed to understand whether it was possible, whether a future-facing version would be privacy-safe. Um, so there was a feasibility version, which was quite hilarious because um, I know that uh, that we sent quite a, we've got a quite a big team now. We sent quite a few of them out to pretend that they were walking past as furniture, and, and uh, we collected data and then built a model around that. So the feasibility piece was, you know, is it possible? Can we build a model that's reliable and to Christian's point you know how is it going to be the same so we we actually take omni-channel attention quite seriously so for us there's no point and he said this himself that you know it's it's really only going to be important if the measurement that we use in everything else that we kind of apply an attention plan and all of our other products is truly universal. So we had to make sure in advance that we could apply the same mathematical values according to the same definition, which is active and passive attention and non-attention. And so there was this massive feasibility study first, but, you know, the technology itself is what, I'm sort of most excited about. We don't do anything off the shelf. We don't do any open source. We build everything ourselves. Now, for those who understand attention, gaze tracking is typically the stock standard go-to. We do that for mobile because you can actually do gaze estimation when you know, you're know you close to the event or the device. Then for television and cinema, we've used sort of longer form facial recognition, so multi-person facial recognition so that you can understand and predict where someone's viewing. But this was a bit different because you talked about the dog piece. Mm. So because it's outdoor, there's a whole lot of other things that are likely to walk past or run past or stroll past, including strollers and dogs and even cars. And so it was really important to be able to define that it was a human And I know that sounds silly, but it's really important. So, we actually not only use gaze tracking for when they're close to the street furniture, facial recognition to understand multiple people in the frame, but each of those people had to be validated by what they call a pose landmark. So, it's pose estimation. So, basically, what it does is it allows the technology to kind of make a definition between, you know, a human frame versus you know, a pet. Um, And so, you know, it's those three things combined that meant that we could safely go back to the team and say, yeah, we've got a model that will work and we can, without a doubt, predict active and passive tension like we do for everything else. So that's the geeky bit.
1: (laughs) And we can, it's the geeky bit, and we can officially confirm that there's no barking canines in your audience measurement. That's definite.
0: (laughs) It just pushes it out as a non- face obviously but i'm sure there were dogs that walked past paul but yeah yes no i
1: look i just sorry i'm i get fascinated by small things um so listen (laughs) what what happens now karen so what have you learned so far i did try early to get something um in terms of the data i understand that it's early and it's trial stuff and you don't want to necessarily talk about that as a next benchmark but is there anything that you've seen out of the data so far in this trial that is interesting
0: yes and what's interesting to me is it's what we expected, um, which is probably not what you wanted me to tell you, but it's the good news is that the model works because it's not so unexpected in terms of understanding the contextual environment of the the media platform that it sent alarm bells to us. Right. Um, what I do know is, and to Chris's point, you know this formats here are is the difference between you know, street furniture versus, you know, billboard versus. So there's a lot more work to be done.
1: Right. Clearly here we're talking about street furniture this trial was, wasn't it?
0: This was street furniture and we did that because we actually literally have to, you know, erect cameras on the assets essentially for us to be able to take footage. We'll get to privacy in a moment when you're going to ask me that question. Mm. I know you are. Um, Mm. But the format piece needs to be extended beyond this. But, yeah, it's really exciting and I'm really glad that – these guys sort of stepped up and said, let's do this because it's, it is literally world first in this space.
1: So does it get any more complex if you've got to try and get attention on, in traffic in moving cars? How does the same principles that work, the same technology?
0: So it's the same technology, but it will be... So we've got two facial recognition models, one in TV and one on cinema. And so it's the same principle, but the math changes relative to the environment. So, I mean, I'm not the PhD in computer vision, but I know enough to know that the principle of the components will be, I doubt it will be, gaze-based, I imagine it will be facial recognition and pose estimation. But the math in terms of the prediction changes because of the speed to which something approaches it or how close it gets and things like that. But we should ask Rafa, our resident genius.
1: <laughs> right. We'll get him on the podcast next time. Before I get to privacy, because I've got one more question which I thought about Does this, with what you're doing with QMS and out of home, this must tick all the channel boxes now, does it? Because you you have everything covered now, is that right? Or have you got something still to go?
0: So, look, we we work with what customers ask us for and we get asked a lot about outdoors. So for us, absolutely, at the moment we think it ticks the boxes between the socials, general web, CTV, TV. We've just done some audio, which you probably see. We're going to scale that. We've done cinema and now outdoor. I think that's probably where we sit. But the minute, you know, we get asked consistently, so one is retail, which is hot on our little agenda. So because we we own and build our own tech, there is opportunity for us to build some retail-based opportunities, but it's still a little while away. But So what we don't do is we don't do fake environments, you know, And this is a classic example because this is the first time it's done because it's not like in, in kind of a gamified, computerized way. It's literally out on the street. So until we have a solution that is privacy safe and scalable, we'll probably still park that. But there are a lot of big brands that are super interested in that one. So, mm. so watch this space.
1: So, and and I know I asked earlier, I've got to just try again with a different angle in terms of some of the early findings, there's consistency happening here. You can pick up active attention, you can pick up passive and you can pick up non-attention. You're seeing all that come through like you are for all the other channels you're working on.
0: A hundred percent. And we can, you know, we'll publish the calculation around how it works, because again, we're super transparent with all of the things we build. I'm comfortable in saying that we can talk about active attention seconds across different platforms and formats with confidence.
1: Would it be fair, based on looking at some of your earlier data, that the attention seconds for out of home will be shorter, not less impactful, but would be you're not going to get the length of attention versus other channels?
0: So that I'm not going to discuss, (laughs) Paul. Christian,
1: would you? (laughs) Would you answer what Karen won't? I literally can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You've got Oh, this is a setup.
0: Well, no, look, let me let me preface something here. I mean, street furniture is not the same as driving past in a car, so I actually don't agree with you. Um, so what we have seen, and I can give you a tiny little bit of a, a bone, is that when you're standing at Oof. a bus stop, <laughs> you're standing at a bus stop. I mean, classic example is okay. models kind of run on a single person for five minutes. Increments. So when you start talking about five minute time spans, things are a bit different. The interplay.
1: No, fair point.
0: Yeah, so the interplay between passive attention and active attention, we're still working through how that fits into sort of a typical distribution. But I will be honest and say, yeah, if there's a lineup for the bus and there's a piece of content, it's pretty good. So it's too early to call as a general rule, but like any format within a platform, there'll be some nuances.
1: Right. And Out of Home has a lot of those, right? Because there is our street furniture. And then to your point, there's a whole bunch of different formats. So you've got to do all the work on all of those first. And And I imagine the attention will vary.
0: Yeah, 100% it will because you know and you've seen our hierarchy that the platform kind of defines overall, but then the format underneath that can differ. So even on our social friends, you know, there's amazing and less amazing within the same platform. So, yeah, hold, hold that thought.
1: Okay, well, I'll hold that thought whilst I ask you about privacy. So, you know, what was required here to make sure that it was fair and reasonable and, and compliant?
0: Well, it's what happens next that is. So training a model is a little bit different to being surveilling someone permanently in the street. So there's a couple of ways that you can actually make a solution like this privacy safe where cameras can be there for more than, you know, a few hours at a time. And one of which is that, you know, you're probably not aware of this, but but facial recognition models I think take landmarks of around about five hundred points on a particular face. So any of the cameras that you walk past in the street is literally counting about, I think it's 480 to be precise, which represents you as a human. Now, if I was to put your facial recognition data into a database, Paul, I'm thinking it might come up as you being in the FBI database, but that makes you personally identifiable, right? It will blow
1: it up. It will. will,
0: There'll be alarms and people will be coming looking for you. But Mm. what you can do, um, you can still tell if someone's looking at if you're a human by reducing the amount of landmarks that are collected. So that's one way to de-identify the actual individual as they're walking past, right? Right. But we've actually decided to take a slightly different view. So that was originally what we were going to do. But what we are now probably going to do is what they call go to the edge. So do edge computing, which means that none of the data actually leaves the computer, which is loaded onto the hardware or the, the uh, on the all asset. Right. And it actually, all we receive is zeros and ones. So that's kind of as we we've already started doing that for television, where the little Android devices actually compute the footage and just send us back the attention data versus any footage leaving the asset. And so that makes it by law extremely compliant because we're not storing or keeping or looking at or any kind of leakage available. So there's two ways.
1: Got it. You know, I'm interested in this, Christian, maybe to you first. The the out-of-home sector has uh, also has an industry-wide project with NeuroInsight delivering a neuro-impact factor. Now that's a broad industry-wide um, um, initiative, right? Um, it's an index essentially for every digital screen and static format um, in the market. So why do you need to do this with attention and what? how do the two projects, what's different about them? What do they do differently? Christian, what's your initial take on that?
2: They're significantly different, both in their construct um, and, and also the purpose or the role that, the, that they play for the market. You know, you think the work that was done with Neuro Impact Factor that has been, you know, quite groundbreaking in terms of its use within uh, the Move 1.5 system, it, it measures different things to what the attention um, platform does. So you're, you're talking about what people are thinking, what, what gets committed to long-term memory and then the other side of things is that it's not really scalable. So, so the data that you are able to, to get in terms of affordability um, and, and what's involved in, in the process is very much top level, as you said, by format, maybe by market. You know, what a tr- the, the attention opportunity gives us is, is to, to scale it on a, on a much larger larger platform and to get some really more intricate understandings of assets because the, the reality is, is that large format in particular, um, our sites are very different from each other, and, and depending upon the structure and the location and, and the traffic flow, you're going to get very different results. So they're the major things from our perspective.
1: Okay. And in that, in that final wave, when you get through to the final phase of this stuff, we talked about earlier, You somehow you're going to share this data with, with your competitors and peer set. Why has QMS been so generous on this? It's unusual, isn't it?
2: Well, again, uh, the objective and the purpose, as I sort of mentioned before, is not an us versus them. I think at the end of the day, um, we're just excited to be a part of, you know, what is a a global first study. And and as I said, it's more important for us to be promoting out of home as a channel um, than it is to be promoting QMS. Because at the end of the day, we believe in the medium um, and we believe in the success that it can deliver, deliver clients. And that's what we're more about.
1: Karen, your, your your thoughts on on what you're doing versus what the neuro impact factor and what neuro insights doing, the market needs both.
0: So we've been really clear from the beginning that we you know when I mean you know my history, I left the university. I wanted to build a scalable media measurement metric, if you like. I was never interested in smaller sample, Um, one-offs here and there. Um, So we've been really clear that we don't measure cognitive processing. We don't know what you're thinking compared to someone else. Um, And I think, so my point is, it's a place for both. What we do, what I will say though, is as we are progressing in our own knowledge, because, you know, the amount of data points we have is off the charts, is that we're starting to see systematic clusters of the types of people that are viewing. So classic example is um, you might get an average number of seconds, but it's how different people are deriving that number of seconds that's important as well. So there is we're starting to move towards not just time, not just how much time, but how how that time is spent in terms of, you know so if someone's standing at a bus shelter for example are they kind of switching backwards and forwards or are they concentrated in you know looking and reading so there's there's a role to play in processing when you understand how people are interacting and you know the amount of switching they're doing but we will never be neuro we will never understand look feel you know, how? what emotionally did you feel when you were looking at that creative or, you know, did you instantly think of this or, in, you know, that said, though, we do do a lot of testing and you would know for short and long-term outcomes. But, um, you know, I think there's a role for both is my point. We choose to be a measurement solution. We're not a social science kind of...
1: Behavioural base, I guess.
0: It's just, It's hard to scale individual level behaviour.
1: Okay, got it. That's some reasonable observations from both of you. I'll give that to you. So, listen. Um, what's next with this? Um, we've sort of flagged up. There's more phases coming. Ultimately, Christian, to you first. What do you hope this looks like in eighteen months' time when your your trials are done? Does it go overseas? Is it you know will it be shared with the global out of home sector? Or what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, look, I think the answer to what we hope for in eighteen months' time is is to have a really robust understanding of attention across multiple QMS assets and formats. Um, in terms of the data, yeah, as as Karen mentioned earlier, the the aim is to to have this as an open source opportunity and and to really look at you know maybe extending those partnerships to to some other global partners because I think at the end of the day, it's 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 the beginning. Um, It's by no means a quick fix, because as we mentioned, there's multiple environments, multiple modes of traffic, multiple formats. So we're always going to be adding to it. But I think the most important thing is, is that, you know, we know that the technology works and we're going to be getting some results, you know, fairly quickly that will start us on that journey.
1: So when will you tell us about some of the actual attention data? When do we actually get an idea of that? Is that sort of six months away once you've done a few other of the tests?
2: I would say sort of six to twelve months, you know based on the on the current rollout of of the phases. as I said, we were about to move into validation phase and then scaling. so, yeah, probably to the second half of next year is is when we expect to have some some data to, to be able to share.
1: Okay, well, I just hope Karen's noted that so I can ask that question in six months' <laughs> time and get the data. <laughs>
0: and I know you Karen, will. <laughs> I will.
1: Um, so what is next from your perspective? What does this mean uh, in terms of out of home and what happens from your side in, in terms of this, this trial, this project?
0: Well, I think it has um, opened my eyes to its scalability opportunity and particularly moving to edge computing, you know, Chris, we're going to call on your in- internationals and get them to load <laughs> cameras on multiple sites. Um, but, yeah, if, if working with a partner like QMS means that we can, you know, get large-scale, I guess, devices on lots and lots of assets globally all from tiny Australia <laughs> and be able to yeah, do it from right. here.
1: Okay. So the macro, final one for you, Karen, is the macro on this is once, you know, let's fast track, you know, at 12 months' time when your data's all out. So suddenly you'll have, you know, what you call omni-channel measurement on attention. Where does that ultimately, what does it mean for channels and what does it mean for the market, I guess? It just means that we've got a complete view.
0: Yeah, I mean, it gives them an opportunity to do what planners do best and, you know, offset that, which is a quality layer against reach to cost and impressions and, you know, all the things that they... Reach cost and quality. You know, it's then up to the media planner to build out their scenarios. So this data, as you would know, we've just about to drop attention plan two, which builds scenarios against all the stuff that we already have in the data, and then ultimately pushing it towards you know trading okay. and stuff like that. So yeah, without kind of giving you too much information, that's that's kind of where all this data is going. And and like I said customers ask me for this all the time. So I'm pretty excited to be able to push that into our product.
1: Christian Zavik, Karen Nasson-Field, a really interesting update on on attention. And so look forward to seeing what happens here locally and globally. Um, Should be good. Thanks for joining. Stay safe, both of you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer.